Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Our fifth lesson, uh, and the Lord's been helping us along the journey. We've touched on on many times in this assembly, and that's what basic training for life. The word "basic" in and of itself kind of explains our our focus. It's just on the basic doctrine, some of the basic things. Uh, in reality, this course was really designed for a, a discipleship class of people that's already been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, just to touch on some of those elementary uh, principles. But the principle we'd like to speak about today is the subject matter of prayer. And we have heard this spoken about time and time again from this pulpit. I remember not long ago, it may have even been last year, I took 10 sermons in a row on the subject matter of prayer. And so this is something that we've hit on time and time again, but it's needful and necessary to always go back there again and hit on it again. Uh, whenever we speak about uh, the, the, the military, they have uh, the terminology called CENTCOM. You've heard of that, that terminology in the military, CENTCOM. And then the, the Central Command, what that stands for. But there's another, there's another term uh, in the military called COMSEN. It's another military term. And what that stands for is communications center. As a matter of fact, they say, uh, for instance, you know, we have 911 that we dial here in America in case of an emergency. Uh, they say in Australia it's 000. zero, zero. Uh, but nevertheless, whenever in Australia, for instance, whenever that is received at the comm center, the communication center, uh, the staff there will send whatever emergency technicians or vehicles that's needed in order to help in that time of need. In essence, Australia's comm center, communication center, is their, their, their hub for police communication, so on and so forth. And from my understanding, one of the main objectives of battle and strategy in war and battle is to take out the enemy's comm center, to take out their communication center. As a matter of fact, when the United States attacked Iraq, among the first initiatives of the war there in Iraq was to disable the communications between Saddam Hussein and his troops. And in doing so, they successfully then crippled the Iraqi army because they disabled their communication center. Folks, I want you to know that on the natural level, as it is, it's very similar in the spiritual level. The adversary of our soul the enemy of our salvation wants to take down our calm sin, so to speak. He wants to take down and break down our communication center, and our communication center with heaven is what we do whenever we go to the Lord in prayer, what we do whenever we go down on our knees in prayer. If he can disable our communications with God, and can I say today, that's a, that's a target of his, and you know it is. Everybody that's sitting before me and this pastor behind this pulpit included knows that is a high priority and target of the adversary because that answers the question for all of us. Why is it such a struggle to do that daily prayer? Why is it such a struggle to spend a little bit of time in prayer every day? I'll tell you why. Because your enemy just as well as you knows how important your communication center is with God and that time of prayer is with God. And he knows if he can successfully, successfully cripple that and successfully overtake that and our relationship with God, then there are other things that's going to suffer as a result of it if our communication with God suffers. Amen. So I don't want anybody to stand alone in the relationship with the Lord and feel like they're an island by themselves sometimes and think, man, I know I'm just probably the only one that has problems with this. You're not the only one that has problems problems with this but what that should spell to you and I is this must be vitally important if this is something that the adversary puts his crosshairs on again and again and again this must be something vitally important for me and for heaven and for my relationship with God so if you're going to put any protection around anything if you're going to try to safeguard anything in your life safeguard your communication with the Lord safeguard that prayer safeguard that thing with God because the enemy wants to somehow disable your life and disable your communication with God 
Amen. You try to get your prayer life because if you'll get your prayer life, you'll get other things in your life. It happens. It happens. He understands the importance of that. And so our prayer and our relationship with God, I know everybody's off base because I didn't start with a scripture, but I've already started in case you haven't understood. All right? Amen. Our prayer with the Lord, our prayer is a relationship with God. It's that thing that whenever he spoke, and we got a lot of scriptures today, they're not all going to be put up there because I told Brother Zach, man, he'd been busy probably during church still trying to get all the scriptures up there. So just have a Bible, write something down, or just listen with your ears that's on each side of your head. All right, and we'll do all right. The scripture tells us that he told them when you pray, say our Father which art in heaven. Amen. Prayer is a relationship with God. Amen, because we can approach him and talk to him in the father-child relationship. We can admonish him and speak to him as our father. As a matter of fact, the first time in the beginning in the book of Genesis that the Bible ever records Adam and Eve hearing anything. They, They had ears, but the first time that we glean from scripture that they ever heard anything before they heard the flutter of a wing of a bird scripture doesn't record that the the first thing that scripture records for us that Adam and Eve heard was the voice of God calling unto them that's the first thing that humanity ever heard it was the voice of God Calling to them. The Bible says in Genesis 3 verse 8, and I'm just going to pick a few phrases out of this. The Bible says, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Verse 9, if you will. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And when they heard God, they heard his approach to them. Amen. It was man's response. Man's first response was what God was calling to them. Their their first response was responding to the call of God. I think that's important today. Amen. That the first thing they ever heard was the call of God. And their first response they ever gave was a, a response to the call of God. Let me tell you today, folks, I don't know why I'm just feeling really good right now, but nevertheless, today, folks, there is still the call of God that is coming. He's calling. What was he calling for in the garden? He wanted fellowship with that woman. He wanted fellowship with that man. He wanted some intercourse between the two of them. And that first call of God to the first family, their reaction was, I'm going to respond to the call. God is still calling this morning. There are times, I don't know how it works in your life and in your dynamic, but there are times just in my home, it's as though it were I hear the call of God. And it doesn't matter what's taking place in my life at that moment. I got to respond to the call of God. There's times I'm sitting in that office over there, and yes, I'm doing important things, but I hear the call of God. And what I gotta do is hearken and respond. Go down on knees, lift up my voice, and start my communication. You know with certainty, Bishop has told you times in the early morning hours, man, the morning watch, what's that? That's the call of God. It may come at different times for you, but folks, we need to be sensitive to whenever God calls and not only be sensitive when he calls, but understand what he's wanting when he calls. What he's wanting is some relationship time. What, is he, what, he, what he's wanting is some time for us to respond. Amen. Respond to the call. And so that brings me to my other thing. Prayer is not just a relationship, but prayer is communication with God. Bible says in Exodus 33 and verse 9, and it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended, stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend that's powerful to me folks Moses enters the tabernacle 
evidently with some in purpose of having a meeting with God. And whenever he gets there, God's talking to him. Hmm. Folks, I do not want to miss an opportunity to hear what heaven's got to say for my life or for the life of my family or for the life of my church. Prayer is communication. Prayer is worship to God. Psalms 95 and 6, and I gotta move on. We'll be in overtime again Sunday morning. Amen. Psalms 95 and 6, the Bible says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Prayer is us asking. Prayer is us entreating God. Psalm 6 and verse number 9, the Bible says, The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Supplication is basically a cry for mercy, if you will, a cry for mercy. And David called supplication my prayer. Those two phrases just kind of line up. Psalms does this a lot. It takes a phrase and then restates it just differently. And that's what happens here in Psalms 6 and 9. The Lord hath heard my supplication. But just to restate it another way, and the Lord will receive my prayer. So supplication lines right up in prayer. There was a cry for mercy. David said that cry for mercy is my prayer. Hallelujah. That's what prayer's about. Sometimes it's a crying out for mercy. Sometimes it's a crying out for grace. Sometimes it's a crying out for just a break in life. Sometimes it's just an entreating of God. Sometimes I get in a posture that I just even beg. God, I'm not worthy of it, but I'm crying out to a higher power right now. I need intervention, oh Lord. Supplication, a cry for mercy. Amen. Now, I don't want a mistake that I don't want prayer to just become my approach to God with my wish list. Okay. He's not in a red and white suit and got a hat on for you to sit on his lap and say, this is what I want for Christmas. Amen. Hallelujah. Prayer is not for my convenience. God had told a nation that had turned their back on him, that had trampled on his grace continually, that he would not hear their prayers. Now this is, this is difficult, but this is true, biblically true, that there are some prayers, whether it be means or motive of prayers or how prayed, prayers that God does not regard. In Isaiah 1 and verse 15, the Bible says, this is those people he was speaking to that had turned their back on God and done all these type of things. The Bible says, and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. He says in Mark 12, I know we're going to jump in here. Brother James, you know, you go help me though. Mark 12 and verse 38, the Bible says, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in low clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, in the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. He, what, he said, Watch out for the religious rulers. He was saying that just come in and go out and they have on their clothing and they like to be greeted in the public and whenever they go to place they want to take the important seats and, and they want the places of honor and banquets but they are devouring the, the widow's houses and, and he says basically for pretense or if you will for a show they're making lengthy prayers. He's saying it's those type of men that's going to be the most severely punished. Amen. They're going to pay for it in the end. Fight. And war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. But verse 3, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss or incorrectly or wrongly that you may consume it upon your lust. In other words, he's saying you lust for what you don't have and you're willing to even get it, to kill to get it. He says, and you, what, what you want what isn't yours and you will even risk violence if you want to to get your hands on it. But when you ask, you don't receive 
because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. On your own pleasure. God says that's not the right motive. And again, also in Scripture, it admonishes us that prayers are not to be prayed repetitiously. Now, just to kind of uh, put away the, 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 the idea that, well, if I come to the Lord and talk to him every day about my family, then I'm praying repetitiously. No, you got to, that, that's not what he's saying. Repetitiously just to be heard. Sometimes I've been in places even before, prayer rooms all around the United States, people's praying, and they're just praying just, just phrases that just, I mean, yeah, thank you, Lord, bless him, God, you know, just, just to keep going, you know, just to keep a prayer going. Thank you, Lord Jesus, yeah, God, we love you, and just over and over and over and over and over. The Bible says this in Matthew 6 and verse 7. He says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Amen. For their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. All right? So it's not just repeating the same line that you are a certain need that you take to the Lord in prayer every time you pray. The Lord was coming against those that are just babbling in prayer, heaping up phrases, a multitude of words just so they can say they prayed. Amen. Let me tell you something. It don't take too long. If you really think about it, you can come up something to say. There's plenty of stuff to pray about. Amen. Stuff in your own life, stuff in the world, stuff in your family, stuff in the life of the church. There's plenty of stuff to pray about. God's saying, hey, I'm not necessarily interested in your intellectual prayer. He says, I'm really interested in the heart of your prayer. I'm really interested in the heart of your prayer. And so we must have prayer. It's needful. We already understand it's essential that we must have prayer. The apostle Paul, he was closing his letter to the, the, the Thessalonians, his first letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he warned this church in Thessalonians. He said, he said don't, don't, don't allow the coming of the Lord to catch you unaware. That's what he was admonishing them and telling them, don't, don't come to a place that you just become uh, calloused and you become uh, 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 just, just uh, uh, to a place that, that you, you're not as sensitive or that, that the speeches that people have said, hey, the coming of the Lord's coming. Don't let that grow old in your ears as though, nah, it's not really going to happen. He says, don't, don't let it catch you unaware. And so as a result of that, tongue and groove with that, while he's telling them, don't let that catch you unaware, he admonishes them. He admonishes them of how they need to run the race. He admonishes them how they need to li live their life in, in light of not letting the catching away to catch them in an hour whenever they're not aware of it, but they would be watching and looking for it. And in his admonitions on what they need to do in order to keep at the high mark of being aware of when his coming is, he told them in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it's just three little words, but this is what his admonition was. He said, pray without ceasing. He said, boys, I don't want you to be caught unaware concerning the second coming of Christ. Church, I don't want you to be caught unaware about the rapture of Christ and the way to stay up on it, a way to stay man in tune and in line. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Honey, you, you, you'll get callous to this idea of the Lord coming back and this world going to end, but if you keep praying, you're going to keep sensitive. If you keep praying, it's going to be in the forefront of your mind. What if today? What if today? What if I tell you, there's times I leave prayer and I'm thinking, God, is today the day? Could, day? could today be the day? Is this when it's going to happen? Is this when the sky's going to part? Is this when the trumpet's going to sound? Paul's telling him, don't let the rapture catch you unaware. Pray continually. Don't let that day overtake you like a thief. Pray all the time. Don't fall asleep. And be watchful, be sober, unceasing in prayer. Always be ready. Keep on praying. Pray without ceasing. And, and we've explained before, but it bears to repeat. Yeah, I understand you can't stay on your knees from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. But you can be in a, in a mode, in a spirit of prayer throughout your day, in your mind. I don't know, sometimes I don't even speak any words just through my day. I could I just like having a conversation with God in my head. Amen. I know it's dangerous, but just having a conversation with God in my head. Prayer is 
necessary again what was the admonition to his disciples and we've we've done we've done series on prayer I've taught on the Lord's prayer amen but what was the admonition to the disciples it wasn't if you pray pray after this manner he said when 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 you pray he wasn't saying if you do or if you don't he was saying no you need to have a time in your life when you pray and so whenever you do whether it be in the morning or in the evening or at noon time whether it be in the middle of the night whenever it is when you pray pray after this manner what's Jesus saying prayer is essential it's not if it's just when he said in Matthew 6 7 but when you pray Mark 11 24 when you pray Luke 11 2 and he said to them when ye pray say it's not if I get time to pray uh-uh. it's not if I get time type of activity must be a must in our lives. It's not happenstance. It's absolute. We must have. We must. Everybody say we must have. We must have prayer. Psalm 65, verses 1 and 2 to the chief musician. Psalm of David. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. And to thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Isaiah 45, just, a, just a, a few verses of Scripture here. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. That's allegiance right there. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength, even to him shall men come. And all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. He said, they're going to come. You're going to kneel. You're going to bow. Romans 14, 11, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to me. Philippians 2, just a list of scriptures here. Philippians 2, verse number 9, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name. Speaking of Jesus Christ, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to kneel now. By my choice, or I'll be made to kneel then. We'll kneel now. Regardless, we will kneel someday in the day of judgment. I can call upon him today, or I'll for sure be forced to call upon him then. For it's not an option. It's, I know we approach it sometimes at that, and there is the enemy coming after our calm sin, our communication center. But it's necessary. It's a requirement. We should, we should do that. It's important. It's vital for us. It's vital for us. Amen. And those that are attached to us, for that matter. Amen. Prayer, prayer is a channel. Prayer is a channel to salvation. In Acts 2.1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. If you remember, we've talked about in this series already, they were involved in like a seven-day prayer meeting. They went there, they tarried. They were in a seven-day prayer meeting in that upper room. The Bible says in Acts 1.13, the Bible says that when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphas, Simon, Zealots, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord. Everybody say in prayer. And supplication, crying out for mercy. Hallelujah. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. The verse says in verse 15 that the number of the names together were about, 100, about 120. So you have all these people together at this time. They were in one accord, the Bible says in Acts 2. The one accord. The thing that brought the harmony and the accord in the upper room was that they were all there for one purpose. They were there and they were praying. The apostles were praying. Mm-hmm. The women were praying. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there praying. And Jesus' earthly siblings was there praying. 
And the Bible says in Acts 2 and 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. They are still in one place. Nothing had changed. They're still praying. They're in one accord, and here they are still praying. And verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. premise to help usher in the salvation experience for the, fir- for the early church on the day of Pentecost was prayer. 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 Amen. Prayer. You've got to pray unto the Lord. It's a channel. Prayer is a channel by which one can be born again of the Spirit. Come to an altar and pray. It's a venue. It's an avenue. Be a recipient of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Perhaps that's why in the book of Jude, the gateway to Revelation, it commissions us to build up our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Prayer to get started might be hard. Let me change that. It'll be hard. All right. Or maybe it won't. Prayer to continue will be hard. Prayer needs to become a lifestyle as it did for the new believers. Because the 3,120 that were born again of water and spirit in that day of the day of Pentecost started living a lifestyle of prayer. The Bible says in Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in a few things in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. They continued in these things. It wasn't they had that seven-day meeting, they were endued with power, and it's all like, all right, glad that unlocked the door and the key, and here we are. We'll, we'll call you when we need you, you know, type thing with prayer. No, that's not it. They continued in prayers, and they continued steadfastly in prayer. So that tells me that prayer was a vital component of the New Testament church. And if it was a vital component for the New Testament church, then it's a vital component component for the church of any age. It's a vital component for first apostolic church that we continue steadfastly in prayers. They continued in this. The Bible then in Acts 3 points out plainly to the apostles Peter and John that were together and went to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. What are you boys doing? We're doing this because this is who we are. This is our life. This is our lifestyle. Evidently, they had a custom among themselves that the hour of prayer at the temple, they went to the temple and they prayed. Amen. It was just something that was a part of their day. It was automatically a part of them. Now listen, uh, starting out, you might pray five minutes or 15 but I encourage you that if you really give yourself to prayer, amen, and just be consistent with it, your prayer will grow in time just as a result of being consistent in prayer. It'll grow in time just as a result of being consistent in prayer. We see times in scriptures people prayed for an hour. We see times in scriptures that they prayed all night. Amen. We see times in scriptures there's a varying lengths of prayer. But I think what the Lord really wants to get in our spirits is a consistency in prayer. A consistency in prayer. The Bible says in Matthew 26 and verse 40, when Jesus took his disciples with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying uh, before he's ever taken away and crucified or resurrected, and the disciples fall asleep. He comes to him in verse 40 and says, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? So evidently, he had spent an hour in prayer. They come back and the boys are asleep. Say, could you not? Could you not watch with me one hour? Now he told them to watch and pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation. The, the, and this is important. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh. If you're waiting on any good week that your flesh is just biting at the bit to go to the knees and pray, forget it. All right. You're waiting for your flesh to wake up on these mornings and look over at your spirit and say, "Hey, spirit, I tell you what, I feel like praying today." Forget it. Your spirit is the one that's got to be willing. Sometimes it drags the, the, the fleshly carcass to that place of prayer. 
wiping sweet sleepies out of the eyes and the tiredness of your body and you know what's coming in the day it's dragging all that flesh to the altar and it's going to pray and have time now look now in verse 42 the Bible says that Jesus went back he went back to them a second time and I don't know Bishop and then he went back even in verse 44 he went back a third time now this is just me but you know if if, if he went back the first time and said, could you not watch with me one hour, I wonder if each of those successive times he had been gone an hour. If so, it's quite possible Christ could have prayed three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane while the boys are there sleeping. Amen. The Bible says, and I've already hit this, but Acts 3 and 1, that they went at the hour of prayer to the temple. Look at Joel chapter 1 and verse 13. Joel chapter 1 verse 13. Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how, ye ministers of the altar. Come, look. He says, lie all night. Now, we've had all night prayer meetings. We have. Now, there's a big, <laughs> this is good. There's a big difference between saying you're going to have an all-night prayer meeting, come pray for two hours and go home, <laughs> and say you'll have an all-night prayer meeting and you stay there literally all night. Because <laughs> I know those things say, man, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting. We come, you know, people come and pray for two hours and go home. That's not an all-night prayer meeting. That's a two-hour prayer meeting with maybe three-hour fellowship afterwards. <laughs> with one another, that is, fellowship. Afterwards, but he said, "Lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of God, for the meat offering, the drink offering, was holding from the house of the God." He said in verse fourteen, "Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord." We already heard Paul told us to pray without ceasing. Amen. Jesus admonished us to pray daily. Daniel, we read and we've studied Daniel that he prayed three times a day. Israel prayed twice a day. The Jews. In the mor- at the evening and morning sacrifice that's that hour of the day that Peter and John went to the temple evening and morning sacrifice they prayed and we're just to pray without ceasing now how do we pray now, very simply and I tell this to anybody very simply you know there's no special prayer language you don't have to pray in King James Version vernacular thou O Lord art the most high God you know the high potentate of the verbiage this, this has always been my definition because this is just this is just how I do it you hear how I'm talking to you all right now that's how I pray there are times I there's not times there's certain times Bishop whenever I go to prayer it's not like oh God I'm here today Lord and I'm crying no there's times I'm sitting there and I'm saying God it's me and tell you the truth Lord I really didn't feel like doing this today Seriously. I'm just sorry. Oh, you say that to God? Yeah, he already knows it anyway. I mean, it's like I'm really pulling the blanket off of me, ain't I? Yeah. He already knows it anyway. I just get honest with the Lord. I just talk about him things in my life. Maybe burdens and concerns that I have for people that I see in my life. Observation. So on and so forth. I just pray to God. Amen. But prayer can be, to a certain degree, methodical, if you'd call it that. In Luke 11, 1, whenever it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized one of his disciples, and I pointed that out a few weeks back, uh, it wasn't all, one of his disciples, out of the 12, that asked and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught. And so Jesus, listen, folks, in order for them to pick on, evidently, the importance of this, you know, in their life, particularly those apostles and disciples, they must have seen Jesus have some type of regular practice of prayer himself. So much so that they said, you know what? I've kind of I've taken notion. I've seen him leave early in the morning and head to the mountain. Well, I've seen him over by the shore. And I'm, what's been going on? He does this every day, guys. You know, maybe there's something to this. Lord, teach us to pray. It prompted in them. They, I, and I've said before when we did it, look at everything that they could have asked the Lord of all the different things they could have asked Lord how is it that that blind eye thing open really happens you know how's that okay no teach us teach us to pray and know what they said teach us to pray Lord look look at the phrase right there as John also taught his disciples John the Baptist John the Baptist so John the Baptist did more than just baptize people evidently by this statement John must have had a prayer life too. And he also taught his disciples how to pray. He said, would you do that? Teach us, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples how to pray. And so he gives them then that pattern of prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. 
that many people, even if they're not connected with the church, many are acquainted with the Lord's Prayer. And again, the Lord's Prayer is not just a prayer for mimicking or for repeating, but it's a pattern for following. Our Father which art in heaven, you're, you're recognizing the greatness of that God and your personal relationship again. Him being Father, you being child, so, so to speak. Hallowed be thy name, the holiness of the name of the Lord to pray about. Thy kingdom come. We want that. Come, Lord. Set up your kingdom upon this earth. We want that day of finality to come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Why? Because in heaven it's settled. In heaven it's complete. In heaven it's done. Let that be, let that be displayed and demonstrated here even on earth. Let that take place. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, yeah. We're not just talking about natural provision. We're even talking about spiritual provision. Give me some daily bread. Amen. Good coupling with the old prayer is the daily bread. Amen. I think it was Job or or, or maybe not Job, but uh, in the Old Testament scripture talking about they esteemed this, they esteemed his words, esteemed his words. They were more so to them than his necessary food, the Bible said. He said he esteemed his words more than his necessary food. He said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's important. God, I want a clean slate here. I want to forgive, all right? And there's the power, amen? He forgives us, yes. He forgives us, thankful that he does. But a lot of that is based upon our forgiveness to other people. We're capable of forgiveness whenever we forgive. Amen. Whenever we forgive. Lead us not to temptation. What's that? You're met with temptation every day. Evil every day. Lord, I don't want to be led in that path. Help me to stay clear from that. Deliver us from evil. Yes, I need deliverance. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So prayer gives us a pattern. He gave him a pattern in Matthew chapter number 6 and seen other where. And so also it's good to pray effectually. What's the old scripture, James 5, 16? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Everybody needs to underline that right there. Availeth much. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man say like, makes tremendous power available. What this is, though, this is prayers accompanied with righteousness has power. Mm-hmm. Prayers accompanied with righteousness Right living has power. Yeah. So I can pray. I might be skewed in my right living at the time. God, where's the power? Prayers accompanied with right living availeth much. Bring the power. Pray publicly. Pray privately. Uh-huh. In Matthew 6, 6, when he spoke to them, Jesus told me, he said, when you pray, enter thy closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. I know you've probably experienced it, but there's things that I've prayed in my prayer closet that nobody knew about but me and God. But the fruit of it happened in the public. I knew because it was specific enough, Sister Rhonda, that whenever I prayed behind that closed door, I seen it come about in the public. Everybody's just glorifying God, and and maybe it's so. But you know what? I'm just foolish enough to believe that what I prayed in private, God answered in the public. Now, nobody else needs to know that, but that does something for my faith in my prayer. Uh Uh-huh. Amen. Just praying, shut the door. Man, we told you, folks. You call me at certain times, you ain't going to get me. Sometimes if you don't get me, it might be because I'm praying. I don't, you know, I just might be praying. And I'm not going to answer my phone. Your need is important, leave a voicemail. I'll get to you as soon as me and God get done talking. And if it's an emergency while I'm talking to God, hey, he could take care of it while, all right. Yeah, while I'm praying. You know, so, so, so shut the door. 
We shut the door again. Whenever we shut anything, like you shut a door, you're doing two things. You're shutting some things out, but you're shutting some things in. And we need to shut the door for both those reasons. You need to shut some things out, but you need to shut some other things in. Oh, yeah. Amen. So pray, pray privately. Amen. Pray privately. Amen. Secret prayers, they'll bring open answers. Amen. Secret prayers will bring open answers. Pray corporately. So it's not all just about private prayer. We need to pray corporately. He told us in Matthew 21, 13 that his house should be called the house of prayer. The church house, the building, name where he designate, the place where he designate his name. We need to have corporate prayer. So it's important for your times of shutting the door and having your private prayer. But scripture also admonishes me by that scripture that it's important that we as a people come together for corporate prayer. Amen. And so, so we had the opportunities of before service for corporate prayer. We have the opportunities for the third Thursday of every month from 7.30 to 8.30. The doors of this church are open. What's that open for? It's a time for me to get out of my closet of prayer and come for corporate prayer. Amen. Corporate prayer. Because it does something for you and it does something for me. That while I'm praying, I hear my brother or sister in Christ call out my name and needs that I have in my life. If that doesn't build your faith, I don't know what builds your faith. If that doesn't help you during a time of struggle, I don't know what will. But there's something that happens to me, Brother Terry, when I'm kneeling there praying that I hear another brother, another sister say, God, touch our pastor. Lord, let your hand be upon his home. And upon... We need that. Because quite frankly, we're not in this alone. We're not islands by ourselves. We have been made apart. We have been baptized into one body. We've been put in this, and so we need times of private prayer and corporate prayer. Peter, John, with Temple, where are they going? They're going for corporate prayer. They're going for corporate prayer. Amen. Because we got some real enemies of prayer. Check out my time. The flesh, as I've already mentioned is a big enemy of our prayer. The flesh is weak. There's a part of you that's eager. It's the spirit. It might be real deep down in there some days. And there's another part willing to pray. And see what the prayer does, a consistent steady diet of prayer is going to help that spiritual side of man. That's the willing part to grow stronger. Amen. To grow stronger. Amen. For the purpose of prayer. Satan is an enemy of our prayer. Remember in Daniel, whenever we studied that Daniel prayed a prayer to the Lord in Daniel 10, and the angel of the Lord come to Daniel, he said, Daniel, from the first day, the first day that you spoke the words, he said, your words were heard. He said, and I'm come... He said, for your words. But in the process, the, 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 the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, hindered you from your answer. I heard it when you first prayed it. But the answer's been hindered for 21 days because the prince of Persia, the, 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 the adversary, the enemy, has hindered it for 21 days. Folks, don't stop praying when the answer doesn't come. Because you don't know what's happening in the supernatural that may be hindering it from getting... It would have already been there, but there's supernatural. So don't stop praying because your continued prayer may help make that time a little shorter rather than longer. You understand what I'm saying? Daniel practiced three times a day prayer and yet an answer was prevented for 21 days because of a spiritual matter he didn't have no idea about. I've oftentimes said, I wonder how many times we have quit praying for something because it hasn't happened yet and we quit the day right before it was going to happen. Amen. But they discharged angels and helped everything and he was able to get the answer to Daniel. Amen. Prayer. Man, enemies of prayer. I'm, I'm just going to kind of hit this in like a flyby. Okay. <laughs> Strained marital relationships can hinder prayer. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, 
do well with them, speaking of your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. We can, we can, a troubled relationship in marriage between a husband and wife can hinder the prayers that issue from that home. Someone say amen. Can trouble, can, can, can hinder the prayers that issue from that home. Another enemy of prayer, and we need to, oh, hallelujah, glory be to Jesus. We might abbreviate this lesson. Not to be picked up again. We've talked about it quite enough. But the world is an enemy of prayer. Uh-huh. The world, the world will rock you asleep if you allow it to. So fast-paced, it'll distract you with all the things that it supposedly has to offer to fill your time otherwise. It will distract you. It'll let time slip away in your day because it has things that's vying for your attention. Prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 4, he says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, the children of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Amen. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Raven Hill said it like this, if I may quote, he said, We may preach and perish, but we cannot pray and perish. Ian Bound said this, he said, God shapes the world by prayer. He said, prayers are deathless. They outlive the lives of those who utter them. Outlive a generation. Outlive an age. Outlive a world. That's the reason. You've heard me say it today before, folks. Whenever you pray, you are speaking some eternal words because they are going to outlive your life. And that's how we've seen. I just talked to this bishop the other day, certain things and stuff, and, and he said it before. You know, whenever uh, Grandma McGee died and she had all those prayers, man, there were answers to prayers that came a result of that after she died. And I was telling my dad the other day, I was just talking to him, and I just, and you know, I'm, call me morbid, this is just the way I am. I said, Dad, I said, I hope you're able to see some of the things that you've prayed about before you ever die. I hope some of the things that you've, God's given you and envisioned you in prayers before you ever die. But if not, maybe it'll be like Grandma McGee, that while your body is already cold in the tomb, maybe they'll, why, how does that happen? Because prayers outlive your lifetime. Prayers outlive. They outlive our lifetime. They do reach unto the heavens. God spoke to David many times that, that he has inclined his ear to David's cry. That God inclined his ear to David's cry. One of the most amazing things to me, the Bible speaks of, and I think it's in the Exodus, the Bible speaks about Moses speaking, and it says that God hearkened to the voice of a man. Man, that is just, that is just bewildering to me. That impacts me whenever I read that. Man, this base old man, this fallible old man, this mistake-ridden man, Yet whenever I lift my voice to God, God hearkens to the voice of a man. Wow. That astounds me. That God would hearken to the voice of this man. Amen. The old hymnal used to say, now I'm really, folks, I'm really trying to run to a close here. But the old hymnal used to say, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. Long as I live and troubles rise, I'll hasten to his throne. I love the Lord. As long as things go bad and there's upheaval and stuff, he says, I'm still going to hasten. I'm going to go to the throne room of the Lord. What am I going to do there? I am going to pray. Bottom line, I'm closing. 
You can stand with me. Bottom line, prayer will be what you make it to be. Prayer will be what you make it to be. Amen. The Lord, his prayer in Gethsemane, Luke said, escalated to the place he sweat as it were. Great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Went back those three successive times. I don't know if there was intensity that just began to progressively become more, but it came to the place it was sweat was as it were. Great drops of blood falling to the ground. So prayer will ultimately be what you make it to be. If you pray a 10-minute prayer and stop, it's just what you made it to be. If you press and you pray 30 minutes a day, and again, I'm, I'm, I'd really be more interested in consistency, but it's just what you make it. Work through our Father's pattern of prayer. It is just what you make it. You go through all those nine directives in that, in that pattern of prayer. It'll be what you just make it. Lay on the altar all night. Your prayer just was just whatever you made it. So the real question is, is how we're going to make our prayer. How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it for us? We know then today, without doubt, we know it's essential. We know it's necessary. It's patterned by our Lord, patterned by the apostles. We know it's the when, not if. We understand that. We know, we know that it is within the crosshairs of our adversary. It's a major target. Each and every one of us that's ever, ever endeavored to try to pray knows. But if you're going to be fought in any area of your life, it's going to be fought in your prayer life. No, trying to break down that communication center with God. Trying to break that down. Because there's so many other things that's tethered to your prayer life, whether you recognize it or not. There's so many other things that's tethered to your prayer life, seen and unseen, if you could only recognize, that are dependent and hinge on your prayer life. And he knows if I get that, then those other things that are tethered to it, that network of other stuff that's tethered to it, all of those things are going to suffer if I can just somehow make their prayer suffer. You know, it makes me mad sometimes to a day go by and think, how foolish am I? What's the deal, McGee? So much is dependent on that time with God. What's the deal? You've been, you know, you've been broadsided here. You've been deceived. And that's the that's him. He's a deceiver, a duper, whatever you want to call him. That's him. He'll try to make you lessen the value of what's all caught up in that. It won't hurt. It won't be no big deal. You've had a rough week. He'll fill your mind with all kinds of stuff. And it'll sound real good to your flesh that's already, I'm in vote with him. You know, we kind of get a majority going on. Just drag it. Drag it. It's a sacrifice to pray. Just like that brazen altar, they had to sometimes drag that animal to the altar. And what did they do when they got it there? They tied it there. Because it didn't want to be, it didn't want to sacrifice. It takes some of that. I, sometimes I think I need to have all my garments with some ropes that's tied to me. And just say, well, I'm going to prayer today, Lord. Let's get down here. Let me tie off here, you know. Oh, God! Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads in this place. Can we, can we today? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.